Well, we are back for part five of If I Only Had, and we've been filling in the blank. So we started with this idea of if I only had, and what did we look at? Time. That if I only had more time, then, then we looked at this and we said, hey, time is this great equalizer because we all get the same amount of time. And the one thing that's going to be true for all of us is that the way that we use our time, the way that we spend our time, it reveals what matters most. We looked at this one, if I only had more friends, if I only had more friends, and that some people seem to have a lot of friends, some people seem to be really short when it comes to friends, and, and we look at this and go, Wait, what? but if I only had more friends, and, and we looked at this friendship focus, and when it comes to this friendship focus and the way that we focus on what it means to, to have a friend, be a friend, get a friend, that, that if we end up focusing on just getting friends, then, then we're going to end up struggling to really have the kind of friendships we want. But if what we'll focus on is about being a great friend instead of trying to get a great friend, that's the best way for us to end up having great friends. We looked at if I only had more money. See, money, it's, it's more about attitude than it is about amount. And it's about our attitude with the money. And I know that 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 right now and today and some of the constraints that we're dealing with, that, that there's some that they're very much feeling this pressure of, if I only had more money. And we really need to look at this and go, how is it that I can learn how I can best manage what I have? And that we would take a look at that from a management standpoint. And last week, we looked at if I only had one more chance. If I only had one more chance, see, we, we've all done things, we've all blown it, we've all done things that, that, that we regret and things that we just, I, I just wish that I had one more chance. And the thing that, that we, all, we all need to take to heart is that you are not the worst thing that you've ever done. That you're not. And that, that, that our God is a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances, as long as you're still breathing, that, that, that he will give you another chance if you'll take it. And, and for us, when we get a second chance, that every second chance that we are given, it's an opportunity for us to show and to prove how thankful that we really are. That that's what we have, is an opportunity to prove how thankful we are. And so today, we're going to end up doing this talk uh, that's, if I only had, no more regrets. That if I only had, no more regrets. And in fact, this talk, I, I can't fit it all into one week, and so this is going to be a to-be-continued, and we're going we're to finish this next week, the, the second half of this whole idea of what does it mean to live a life with no more regrets. I can tell you that this one has, has been on my mind and, and, and on my heart a lot the last couple of weeks. And the reason it's been on my mind and my heart the last couple of weeks is, is because of just what we're dealing with uh, as, a, as a planet, as, as, as people that are living and breathing on this planet. And in the midst of this, this virus, this coronavirus, this COVID-19, and, and for me, I, this is what I've determined. I, I've determined that, that I, I don't want to lead others in a way that I'm going to regret later, and I don't want to love others in a way that I'm going to regret later. 
that I don't want the decisions that I'm making now to be something I'm going to look back on and I'm going to end up regretting what I did. I can tell you that, that as a staff, as we've just kind of come together and tried to figure out what, what, what do we need to do and, and how can we continue to be the church? Because see, the, the church, the church is the people. It's not a steeple. It, it, it's about the people that make up the church. It, it's not a building. We're, we're fine that this place is empty right now. What we're not fine is, is being a church, being a people, that we're leaving people feeling empty. That's what we're not fine with. And I'm so proud because our, our staff, they've really raised the game this past week with what they're doing and how they're wanting to make sure that we're staying engaged and connected with people. And I'm proud because our dream team members, that, that we reached out to all of our dream team members, and as we sent a text to them, we just sent them a text and said, hey, we, we know that you like being on the front lines, and you're typically out there, and you love to be helping. But maybe you're in a position right now where you actually need to be on the, the receiving end of some help. And so we just sent them a message, a text, and just said, hey, if, if you need to get help or if you want to give help, th 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 we just want to know well, what, what can we do? How, how can we find out about what you need? And also, how can we begin to identify that? And how can we create and source people that will be willing to help with some of those needs? And they just started responding. And, and, and so we, we got this. And, and one of the things that, that we did is that, that, that we reached out to everybody that we have a contact phone number for that is 65 years of age and older. And, and we just called them. And, and we just reached out to them and said, hey, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? And most of them were doing fine. And some of them said, hey, here's, here's some things that, that we could really use some help with. And, and they just did it. That, that, that the people making the calls were finding out ways to be able to just make their needs to make it happen. That our staff has done more this last week to find out how can we keep engaging with people from our teenagers and our student ministry to our kids' ministry and now what we're going to be offering and how we can find engagement with them. And so I'm just so proud that we're not going to look back and we're going to regret that we have not done what we could be doing to stay connected with people. That our small groups, our journey teams, they're staying connected. Some of them are doing online and they're getting together with Zoom or another thing like that, video chatting, and they're doing it that way. Some are doing these devotionals and they're just staying connected that way. They're using group me chat. They're just staying connected. And so I'm, I'm, so, I'm so grateful that, that, that we as a church, that, that we are doing things within the limitations of social distancing to make sure that we're not spiritually distancing ourselves from each other. And so as much as I, I don't want to make regrets with this, I, I do have something to share with you that I do regret. And, and, and what I do regret to tell you is, is that it's still going to be several weeks when we look back at this of how long it's been before we're going to be able to gather together in person and on campus again. In fact, we've even made the decision that through Easter at this point, we know that we're not going to be gathering together. And I regret that. I regret that we're not going to be able to be together to celebrate Easter. But we're still going to celebrate Easter. We just can't do it face to face. So let's just pray right now for just what's going on, maybe with you, maybe with others that you know and you love, and certainly with our leaders. And let's pray for some healing. God, we just ask that you would give us a healing across 
the entire planet. God, that, God, that you, would, you would take this time where we're in desperate need of a healing. God, and where we might need some spiritual healing, I pray that our, our craving for a physical healing would draw us to a spiritual healing with you. I, I pray for, for families that, that might be going a little stir-crazy with, with who all's in the house and, and how long they're spending time together and, and how some lessons are trying to be done and education and yet working from home and just, just the struggles. God, you know the financial struggles that some people are having right now through all of this. And God, I pray that you would just carry us through this and allow us to get to the other side and live in such a way right now that when we look back, we can look back not regretting the choices we made in this season. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, when I think about regret, I think about an individual, Nathan Hale, who elevated the term regret to a whole new level. That, that this guy that, that, that elevated this, elevated this uh, about 250 years ago is when he elevated regret to a whole new standard. He, he was arrested for being a spy. And when they went to hang him and put him to death for being a spy, this American said these words that are still echoing throughout time. And he said, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. That I only regret that I have but one life to lose, one life to give for the sake of my country. You know, that's not often what we think of when we think of regret. When we think about regret, we often associate it with, with some troubling things. Troubling things that, that we've done, or, or, or it's troubling that we were at a particular place at a particular time, and we just regret that we happened to be there and the timing of that. And when we think about regrets, we, we think of these things. And, and regret, regret is a memory from the past that it causes pain in the present. That, that's most of us, when we think about regret, that's it. It's, it's this memory, it, it's from our past, but it's causing us pain right here in the present. And regret, regret always seems to have a tag along. And that the tag along that comes with regret is guilt. And, and, and that we feel guilty for the position we were in. We feel guilty for the choice that we made. But let me tell you about guilt. Guilt is a gift. It's a gift. That the guilt is this gift. The, the sting, see the sting is it's a, it's a good thing that guilt lets us know that, that what we've done, that that. that it wasn't the best choice. That guilt lets us know that, that there's something better that we could have chosen to do. That, that we could have what? We could have acted wiser. That we could have what? We could have been kinder. That when it comes to this guilt that we feel, it, it tells us we could have been more prepared. We could have been more compassionate. 
guilt tells us we could have made a better choice. And some of those better choices, those wiser choices begin to run through our mind of of what we could have done. And if we can learn from that, then we can make better choices in the future. Because see, guilt is a gift. And you might hear that and go, well, how is guilt guilt a gift? And how is it, are you implying it's a good gift? I am implying it's a good gift. How is guilt a good gift? It's a good gift this way. Get motivated by guilt, not crippled by it. That they get motivated by it. That, that, that you would be somebody that, that you would be motivated to do something better with your life, better next time. That you would do, be motivated to say, I want to make some corrective actions and some corrective choices. Let guilt motivate you. Don't let it cripple you. Regret. Regret comes in three sizes. It, it, it comes in small. It, it comes in medium. And it comes in super size. I, I know it's a big jump, but that's just usually how it is. It's, it's a small guilt, small little thing that we look at and we go, hey, I regret, I regret that. Or, or it's kind of a medium size, or it is super sized when we look at it. I actually want to identify three types of regret. And this first one, I know we're church online right now, and I know that, that chances are we've probably got more kids watching with us, and I'm going to say a word, and parents, some of you guys are going to go, oh, I hate that you're saying that word. But it's not a bad word if, if we use it properly. And, and, and this first type of regret, it, it, it's a regret that, that when we look at this and we go, oh, what is it? It is actually a stupid choice. When these stupid choices type of regret. Now, there's a difference between calling a choice stupid and calling a person stupid. And so calling a choice stupid is not a bad thing. And there are, there are these stupid choices. And I I think about a stupid choice that that I made recently. And and I know, you know what, I I love it when I'm the pastor and I get to tell a story that puts me in good light. And I I really like those stories. I I don't like the stories like this one because they don't put me in very good light. But, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And so it, it, it was a stupid choice. And, and here's, here's what it was. We, we, we have a, an area rug in our living room. And our dog, Gator, he had been sick. And, and as he was sick, that, that he, was, um, he, he was having uh, issues, if you will. And if that word doesn't clue you in, maybe this word will. He, he, was, he was having an accident is what he was having. And because most of our house is tile, he, he liked rug because it felt like outdoors. I guess. So he went to our area rug, not the tile, to be able to have his, his accident. And, and it wasn't just once in this accident. It was a, it was a runny accident. And, and we have this rule in our house. You find it, you clean it. You know, so, so whoever walks in the door, and, and he was so sick, when you walked in, you were like, you were greeted with the aroma of, okay, something's not right. And, and so Cheryl and I just kept taking turns of who kept coming home because for, for seven days, he had an accident at least once, sometimes multiple times a day, every time that we kept coming home. It was almost to, to the point where Cheryl and I, when work was ending, it was kind of like, I think I still need to work on a project and maybe the other one will get home before I do. 
And, and so we were having company come over. And, and, and this rug that, that we'd just been trying to clean, this 8 by 10 area rug, that we just kind of spots clean and we scrape. In fact, we even got lazy the last couple of days. It was kind of like, you know, it's just going to mess up again. So let's just kind of get the worst of it up and, and, and we'll just deal with it all later. And then we had company that was coming over. And it was like, okay, we, we need to do something about this rug. And so Cheryl had this idea and she goes, hey, let's go get a steam cleaner. Let's go rent one and we'll bring it back. And I'm like going, no, I've, I've got a better idea. And by better, guys, you, you can probably relate, right? But by better, I mean cheaper. I mean, who, who wants to spend the money renting a, a carpet cleaner when, when there's a cheaper way that we could be doing this? And so I told Cheryl, I said, no, I, I think because it's an area rug, I think we can just kind of roll it up and we can put it in the back of your Jeep. We'll just take it to the car wash and we're going to clean it there. She's like, she didn't want to have anything to do with that. And, and so, so I really had to really kind of work it to where she was finally willing. She, she's like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, in, I'm home for the night. We got company coming the next day. I'm like, oh, no, we got to take care of this. And, and so she's fine, fine, fine. So she goes, she changes clothes. And so it's dark. And, and, and we head out. And, and it's, it's still cold. It's still in the winter when this is happening. And so it's cold outside. We go to the car wash, but I'm telling her, you know, what are, how are you going to do this? I said, well, you know they've got those little clips, Cheryl, that you just kind of put your car mats on. And we're just going to put it right on there, and we're just going to begin to spray it out. Now, in my mind, this all made sense. In my mind, these things were all spread out. all across, And I'm like, we're going to be able to clip this up. And, and we get there, we pull into the bay, and, and they're like, it's a four-foot spread. I'm like, well, okay, well, I guess, I guess that's not going to work. So then I, I just start going, okay, what are we, we're already here. In my mind, that means we're committed. This, this is what we're doing. And so I tell her, let's just put it on top of the Jeep. We're just going to drape, because it's only this half of it that we've got to clean. And so we'll just put the other half on top of the Jeep, and, and we'll just start spraying it out. So we do. We put this thing up on top of the Jeep. It's hanging over the side. And so I go get the sprayer, and I start spraying on this thing. And you can imagine, you're, you're just spraying. You're spraying white water in, and brown water's coming out. And we're just spraying. And as I'm spraying on this thing, the carpet just starts to shift because of the weight. And Cheryl jumps up there. She grabs it. So I stop, and we pull it back up high enough. And she's having to hold it now while I'm spraying this thing. We spray this thing for minutes. I soap it, soap it, soap it, soap it, soap it. And, and it's all still brown. Rinse it, rinse it. It's all still in it. We reach this point where we're going, you know what? It, 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 it's, it's as if there's this perpetual source of brown that's never going to stop. And so we reach a point and said, okay, that, certainly that's got to be good enough. And so we, 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 we pull it back up to the Jeep and, and, and we go, you know, let's, let's, let's go ahead and try to roll this thing up. And as we tried to attempt to roll it, the thing was way too heavy at this point. I mean, this rug, it's probably close to an inch in thickness when, when we took it in, there, and it's just holding all of this water now. And so we're like, what are we going to do? And so Cheryl goes, well, you know, let's see if we can just leave it, and we can go get a drink and, and let it drip dry for a while, and then we'll come back. And so there was an attendant working, and so we, we walked over to him and said, hey, would it be okay? If we, you know, it's kind of late at night. Would it be okay? And he's like going... Well, I was wondering what y'all were doing. And he says, why didn't you just put it up on the wall? You know, the bay walls. And, and so we kind of looked at each other, and we were like, well, that would have been a better idea. He says, yeah, you're not going to need to clean against that Jeep. 
And so we're like thinking, well, we're not going to clean it anymore, but let's go put it on the wall, and we can drive to go get a drink, and then we can come back. And so we do. We, we start tugging on this thing to try to get it to this wall. And this wall somewhere, it's seven, seven and a half feet tall. And, then, and we're trying to tug, and, and the thing just gets away. It's so heavy, it just, it falls. But it falls on us, and, you know, all of our clothes are And at this moment, this is when we realized we really didn't clean the mess. We really kind of just spread it all over the rug. And now it's all over us. And, and, and the stench, it, it's just, oh. And at this point, we're just like, it's just time to go home. And so we, we take this thing and we, I'd like to say we rolled it up, but we, did, we, we wadded it up. And we kind of kept tossing it over and, and tried to get into the Jeep, just get enough of a corner. We could begin to try. It was so heavy. We finally get up into the Jeep, our, our pants, our, everything. We're driving home. She's like, well, what are we going to do with it? And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm going, ah, we're going to put it on the fence. Because that was seven and a half feet. Our fence is only six feet tall, maybe five and a half, and we're going to be able to get it up on our fence. You sure? Oh, yes, of course. So, so we get home, and because of how heavy this thing is, we go get a dolly. And, and we drag the dolly out. We put it on the dolly. It's wadded up. We, we drag it up to the, to the fence line, and we go to pull. It was, it was hopeless. There was no way we were getting it up five and a half, six feet up in the air. But I'm the quick thinking, right? And you know, here's the thing about stupid choices. One stupid choice always leads to another. Always. And I thought, well, we can't get it up on this fence, but you know what? We, we've got this section in our yard, it's crazy, but we've got a section in our yard where our fence line goes from this five and a half, six foot mark down to a four foot fence line. It's just weird, but it does it. It's in the very back corner, and I was like, certainly we can get it up there. So we drag this thing, the dolly, we, we drag it through, and as we're dragging it through, it's dark, it's at night, and as our feet start to slide a little bit, we remembered the short fence line is where this thing all started. Because see, that's where Gator does his business when he's not sick and when he's going out and taking care of things. And, and we are now walking in, and we haven't cleaned it up in, in probably two months. And, and it's just, and, and so we're out there, and it's just a mess. And we finally, we, we try to get this thing up, we drop it, we drop it into more mess. I kid you not, I can't make up this stupid stuff. It's a stupid choice. And, and we dropped it. We're just making a mess. We finally work it up and get it draped over and think, okay, we'll just deal with it in the morning. When we go out the next day, we, we saw that the fence wasn't quite tall enough and the carpet was still just catching its own water as it was dropping down. It, it, was, it, it was just not what we thought everything was going to be. We, we pull the thing back over, we roll it up, and, and we take it out to our driveway because it's a sloped driveway. And then when we take it out there and, and we finally get it all opened up, we looked at it and we just laughed. And the reason we laughed is because the spots that were there to start with have not gone away. It, it was, it was, are you going to cry? Are you going to lie? And we, we just laughed. I mean, it was a stupid choice that we just kept doing more and more stupid things. And really, it, it was me that kept driving the stupid things. And Cheryl was just kind of playing along. But it was, it was just a stupid 
choice. And it's one of the types of regrets that we have is, is these stupid choices regrets. Another type of regret that, that we end up dealing with is, is we deal with the regret of second best choices. Second best choices, and, and we know what these are. We can all identify with these. It's, it's the idea of, of where somebody says, you know, I'm just going to choose to postpone college right now. And 20 years later, they feel like they're in a, a dead-end job. They, they never got their schooling. And, and just look back and go, that was a second best choice. A second best choice where it's this idea of, hey, I, I have to have it. I have to have it. I have to buy that. And you do, you buy it, whether it's the car, whether it's the toy, whether it's the electric, whatever it is. And you do, you, you go out and you buy it because you had to have it. And then after you got it, then, then you ended up not really using it. And, and you didn't enjoy it the way you thought you would. And so what do you do? You end up selling it and you sell it for pennies on the dollar or, or, or worse yet, you didn't sell it. And it's just collecting dust. Whether it's collecting dust in your attic, whether it's collecting dust in your garage, or even worse yet, you're paying to store it so it can collect dust. It is. It's, it's one of these second best choices. Another second best choice that we look at, it, it's the dream come true home. The, the, you've got the dream home, and it, it's the dream come, you finally get it, and you move in, and, and you have found out that it's a nightmare mortgage. What you thought you could do and how you could stretch and how you could keep it and, and then this is going to be good for us and good for our family. And, and you've overstepped your boundaries and this dream come true house has turned into a nightmare mortgage and now you are house poor and it's a second best choice. Or that second best choice of that you've decided you're not the one that's going to apologize this time. But that, that you apologized the last time, you apologized the time before that, you said you were sorry the time before, and, and you just I'm not the one that's going to apologize this time. And it ended up costing you a relationship. That this second best choice where, where you said, I, I need you to, to apologize first, it ended up costing you a relationship whether it's a marriage, whether it's a significant other, whether it was a, a family member, an extended family member, or somebody that might even be immediate. That, that's a second best choice that we look back with regrets. And the third one is sinful choices. Sinful choices. See, these are the ones that can be haunting. This is where our biggest hurts come from. This is where the, the, the pain ends up being maximized in our lives. Sometimes we don't even recognize that that sinful choice was even a sinful choice. We're, we're, we're blind to it. We're, we're, we're going, I don't want to hear it. I don't, I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. But, but sometimes we, we don't know. And, and the thing about these sinful regrets is that, that when we haven't dealt with them, when we haven't moved past them, that they don't just mess with our head and our heart. That they mess with our soul and, and they begin to erode right from our soul. 
and these sinful choices that, that create a distance between where we are and where God is. The, the longer we don't deal with and resolve this sin, the longer we just keep living in it, not seeking to be forgiven from it, then the greater the distance that we keep moving from God. Here, here's the thing. That when we cover our sins, God exposes them. That when we cover our sins, when we go, you know what, no, nobody's going to know, and so I'm just going to, and I'm going to cover that up so that nobody can see. When we, God ends up, he exposes them. Reminds us of them, let, lets other people see them, and we feel that, that guilt when that happens. But here's the opposite. That when we expose our sins to God, as in we, we open up and we get really honest, we, we reveal that when we expose our sins to God, he covers them. That, that, that he covers them, and he doesn't just cover them with, with this blanket, but he covers them with the blood of his son so that our sins would be forgiven. I want us to take some time and, and look in God's word. We're going to be in our, our Old Testament. And as we get in our Old Testament, we're going to be in a book called Daniel, and we're going to be in Daniel chapter 4, and, and we're going to be looking at, at a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, or we're just going to keep calling him King Nebi from here on out to keep it short, except for when we're actually reading it. And then we're going to be looking at, at this other individual that is going to be interacting with, with King Nebi. And, and that's a guy that, that is more well known for being Daniel, but, but he also has a, a proper name, Belteshazzar, is, is that he also has this name that he goes by. And so we're going to look at this, and I'm going to catch you up to, to what's taking place before we begin to read. So, so King Nebi, he, he's, he's a guy that it, it's quite interesting looking and, and reading through him and, and reading through Daniel and finding out more about him. That, that he's a guy that, that he keeps discovering through the faith of Daniel and some other three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he, he keeps discovering that there is this mighty God. This mighty God that is real and he's alive and he's doing powerful things. And he keeps looking and seeing these things. And, and as we looked at to, to this story, that this guy, this king, King Nebi, he still struggles because he's He's got second best and sinful choices that keep happening. And the sinful choices of, of pride and thinking too much of himself. And he even builds this statue, 90 feet tall statue, and has everybody that he tells him, you have to bow down and worship me. It's actually when we find out about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's, it's through this whole account that's already taken place. And so now here he is, and God's going to deal with him. And God warns him that he's going to deal with him. Because he thinks he is as mighty as what God is. And God is going to deal with him in his pride. And he reveals in a dream what's going to happen. The problem is, is King Nebi can't figure out the meaning of the dream. What, what does this mean and then who is it for? So he calls in all of the wise people that, that he knows. He's advisors, part of his panel, part of his court. And, and these enchanters and diviners. And, and he just brings them in and he says, hey, what, tells them the dream. What, what does this mean? And none of them can tell him what it means. But he remembers that he had another dream before that Daniel was able to interpret. So he, he tells the dream to Daniel. And as he tells this dream to Daniel, Daniel ends up saying to him that I, I wish the events that, that follow this dream, I wish they didn't have to happen to you. 
So let's pick up in Daniel chapter 4, verse 22. It says, that tree, because his dream of all the tree, that tree, your majesty, is you. For you have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to the heaven, and you rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. Cut down the So here's his dream, right? The dream is, hey, he sees this tree. There's a holy one that comes down and says, hey, cut down that tree and destroy it. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. Now, we don't really know what that seven periods of time is. So some people look at that and say it's, it literally is, is meaning these seven years. And others go, no, it doesn't mean years, but, but it's definitely this period of time. But that, that doesn't matter for us. And so Daniel, as he's interpreting this dream, he says, this is what the dream means, your majesty. And what the Most High, talking about God, has declared will happen to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society. I, I, don't, I don't know if I dare say it, but I'm going to anyways. It's, he's saying, you, you got to do some social distancing. You, you don't have a choice, and, and you're going to be socially distanced from all other people. And you will live in the field with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But God had had it with the arrogance of Nebuchadnezzar. And he is now dealing with it. The, the King Nebuchadnezzar and his, his sinful choices believed that he was as mighty as the Almighty. Verse 26 says, But the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground, and this means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. That this is going to happen, and that, that there's going to be a lesson that you're going to have to learn in the midst of this, before things turn back around. Verse 27, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. That's the advice. It's good advice for you and for me. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence. 
to display my majestic splendor. The sinful choice of this arrogant pride in taking credit for God's blessings in his life. In his life. And while these words were still in his mouth about his incredible majesty, while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. And what did it go on to say? You will be driven from human society. You will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. In that same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dews of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. So we all know regret. And the pain of regret comes when we take a pass on restraint. The pain of regret comes when we take a pass on the pain of restraint. Some of our biggest regrets, they look like they're beyond the ability of repair. In fact, when when I think about these two things of restraint and regret, that that they look different, they're sized differently. In fact, let me make it a little more clear to you and, and show you this way. When we look at these, it's pretty obvious of, of what one is longer, what one lasts longer than the other. That there are regrets and there are restraints, and both have some pain. But the pain of restraint and holding back and resisting, it only lasts for a short period of time. But see, the pain of regret when we don't restrain, the pain of regret, it can last so much longer than the pain of restraint. When we look at King Nebuchadnezzar and his story, That yes, he ends up being restored, and yes, God welcomes him back when he finally turns to the Lord Almighty and he recognizes that nobody is his equal, that God restores him. Verse 37, this last verse, says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the King of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. And so he did. And in his humility, he turned to God. So when it comes to faith, faith isn't something we just profess. That faith, it's something we must possess. That we don't just profess to have it, we we must possess our faith. 
And none of us, none of us should have to carry the biggest and longest regret of never knowing Jesus as our Savior. We don't have to have that regret. Not possessing faith in Christ. See, for King Nebi, pride, it led to compromise. That for King Nebi, pride, it led to regret. And for King Nebi, pride led to punishment. See, we, we need to learn from the things that we regret. And our regrets, they don't have to keep us down. No matter what shape the regret is, whether it's, it's stupid, whether it is a second best choice, or whether it is a sinful choice, we can get past our past. Let's just turn to the mighty one and ask him to carry us into his best for our lives. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that you would allow us to, to have a, a heart that feels the conviction of your spirit, where we've done things that we regret, that, that, that we, would, we would respond with that regret with turning our hearts to you. And as we do, God, that you would be the God of restoration. I pray that, that you, would, you would cause us to, to tune in and to hear the, the, the second continued part of, of what it would be like that if I only had no more regrets and to learn how to live a regret-free life from here on out. Jesus, it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.